kept. Okay, so today's daf is Nun Aleph in Psachim. We're on Nun, nun Amud Bet, towards the bottom of the Amud, where it says, Bnei Chozai, Nahagei They could have been Persian. They, had, they ate a lot of rice, so they, they separated Chala from the rice. Instead of the, you know, I mean, not instead of, but in addition to, we're assuming, uh, other grains, but they separate from the rice. So, um, so, Vamrulei Lerav Yosef, so, so people came and told Rav Yosef about this strange thing that they're separating the challah from the rice, which is obviously wrong. It's not one of the five grains. You don't separate challah from that. <clears throat> said to You know what? Bring a non-kohen and let him eat the challah right in front of their face. Meaning, you know, show them that it's not challah. There's no such thing as challah from, from rice. You don't separate challah from rice. Right? So, so the Abayabai said, what are you talking about? We generally say that if you have something that is permitted... But other people observe a prohibition. So then, you're not supposed to go right in their face and uh, violate whatever their custom is. If they have a custom of a prohibition, you don't, uh, you don't mock it in front of them. Why would you do that? He said, but wasn't it stated? That's talking about the Kutim, the Samaritans. The Kutim were people who were sort of on the edge of observance. So if you start uh, whittling away at whatever it is that they keep, they'll reject the whole thing. So, and of course, there's a whole discussion about whether the Kutim uh, were even Jewish or not. And there was a machloket in the, uh, uh, in the Mishnah about their Jewish status, and, and that persisted. And then eventually, in the times of the Gemara, they declared that they were not Jewish. So the Samaritans of today are not considered Jewish. But, um, so it, it is possible. I'm not sure. I didn't check the Girsaot, but it's possible it says something else besides. It could just be referring Kuta'e to certain groups that were uh, uh, on the fringe. I'm not sure if it's talking about Kutim, strictly speaking, but either way, um, the point is that, that uh, if you give them a hard time, they will separate. So it says, Kutay Maitama. What's the reason why you can't, uh, you cannot disrupt the Minhagim of the Kutim? Mishum, the Misarche Milta. Because they will go even further. In other words, once you start telling them, ah, that's just a custom, you don't have to worry, then they will start becoming more lenient. It's like if you start telling people, oh, you don't have to worry about this or that on Pesach. So then before you know it, they're eating Wonder Bread on Pesach. You know, who knows how far they will go, right? But aside from the fact that Wonder Bread isn't even kosher for the rest of the year. So, so it says, uh, so the problem is that if the concern is that by disrespecting minhagim, basically you're undermining their faith in the system in a way. You know, you're making them feel that, oh, well, if this is only a custom, then maybe a lot of stuff is only a custom, and I don't have to keep anything, and then it ends up, you know, ruining their uh, commitment to Judaism in general, and then they won't observe anything. Right, so uh, maybe so. If that's the case, so maybe these people too who separate the challah from the rice, you should you should not mess with them because maybe they're going to say, well, uh, oh, separating challah from rice is not a really big deal. Well, maybe also separating challah from wheat is not a big deal, and maybe all of these uh, laws are are not such a big deal. So they so don't do it. So it says, Ela Amaravashi, Chazen, let's take a look. Iruban If most of them are eating rice, in other words, rice is their staple food. So then, no, We will not. Uh, eat will not have a non-Kohen eat this challah that they're taking from the rice. Why? Because because then maybe they'll forget the whole concept of challah. And then even when they're in a situation in which there's an actual obligation of challah, such as in the case of uh, uh, of actual grain, they won't keep it either. Because since the it could be that this custom developed because since they mostly eat rice, they don't mostly eat uh, regular grain, so they wouldn't have even had a concept of challah if they didn't eat rice, if they didn't separate it from the rice. And this was a way to keep them aware of it, and so we shouldn't mess around with it and undermine it. Okay. On the other hand, the But if most of their consumption of grain is actually of the five grains, so then we should show them that this is not really challah from the rice because 
Because there's a different problem here, actually, which is you cannot separate chala or truma or maser from hachiyuv ala petur or from a petur ala chiyuv, which means to say that if you have a if you have grain that is not obligated in truma or in chala, you can't separate from that grain to fulfill the mitzvah of dough or 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 grain that is obligated. In other words, if you have dough or grain that's obligated in chala or obligated in truma, you have to give that challah and that truma from actual grain that is obligated. You can't say, well, I have this dough here that's obligated in challah, but I don't want to take anything from that for challah, so I'm going to take from my rice bread for challah and give that. You can't do that because rice bread is not obligated in challah. So he's saying, if they're eating regular bread all the time and you don't tell them that rice dough is not obligated in challah, they're going to think that they can take from the rice dough to satisfy the obligation of the actual challah. Or they're going to think that, uh, that you know, they're going to, they might think the, the other, you know, they might separate from, uh, from the, uh, uh, from the dough that is, uh, take dough that is actually, um, and, and what will that, what will happen is that that dough will actually end up being, um, uh, not, you know, not really, uh, it will not set, be sad to have its obligation satisfied of challah. It's considered uh, tevel then, and then you're you're eating tevel from the actual grain that needed that needed to have the challah separated because you didn't separate it from a legitimate source. So th- so we don't want them to get confused. So if they're actually eating a lot of regular grain, we got to let them know. So Gufa, let's go back to what we said before. If you have certain things that are actually permitted, but there's a group that observes prohibition. So you shouldn't go in front of them and violate the prohibition that they've accepted upon themselves. We're only talking about kutei. In other words, we're only talking about people that are very sensitive. In other words, that if we start to disrupt their customs, they'll lose their whole uh, connection to Judaism from that. Right? What about other people? That, uh, that two brothers are allowed to go to the bathhouse together, but not in Kabul. We're not talking about in, the, uh, in some, I guess, some Jewish city, you know. Not in... Um, Kabul? Yeah, Kabul is the name of a place, okay? Where they had a custom that two brothers could not go into the bathhouse together. Once upon a time, Yehuda and Hillel, two sons of Rabban Gamliel, were in that area. They were in Kabul. They went into the bathhouse together with Kabul. People started talking badly about them. What are these people doing? We never saw anybody who did such a thing. How could you do that? So he left into the outer area of the bathhouse, meaning he just, you know, he deferred to them. He didn't say, no, you're wrong. It's permitted. There's nothing wrong with two brothers going to bathhouse at the same time and so he didn't argue right they just they, they just surrendered right he didn't go and tell them that it's actually permitted right and these people were not kutim they weren't people that were on the fringe they were people that would have you know he but he didn't want to tell them that it's not really a prohibition he didn't disrupt their custom okay similarly uh this is some kind of a like slipper, a wide shoe. But in a place called Biri, they didn't do it. Apparently, they're always going around and flouting everyone else's minhagim. They came to this place and they went. They went to that area and they're wearing those kinds of shoes. And apparently, because they don't fit tightly, the concern is they're going to fall off and you're going to carry them in Rosh or something like that. So they had a custom not to wear them, but these guys were wearing them anyway. 
and they got a lot of flack from the locals. They said, what are you doing? We've never seen anybody wear such shoes on Shabbat. What's wrong with you? Etc. Etc. Uh, so therefore they gave them to their servants, their non-Jewish servants to carry them home, get, get, get them away so that they wouldn't be wearing them in contradiction to the custom. And they didn't just come out and say, there's no such prohibition. It's just a custom that you made up. So you see that they respected the custom, right? Technically, you could sit on the seats of, of non-Jews on Shabbat. What that means is that they would have certain, like, uh, seemingly, I'm, I'm just sort of uh, uh, extrapolating, from, uh, guessing from, from what it says, but it seems like they had certain seats that during the week were used for, like, this is where the merchants would sit, like, you know, where, where, like, let's say, you know, if you go through, like, uh, certain areas in the city, you'll see that they leave their kiosk, you know, locked up there or whatever. They had certain seats that these were where the, where the uh, uh, non-Jews would sit, the merchants. So they're not used, let's say, on Shabbat. Okay, let's say they, they didn't have the market or whatever on Shabbat. So you can't that you could sit on those seats on Shabbat. They're just like for public use. It's no problem. But the only thing is it looks like you're engaged in business because normally the guy that sits there is the guy selling stuff. So, 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 so in Akko, they, they had a custom not to sit on those seats. Because it represented being involved in business. He went to Akko and he did it. Now, seemingly, he didn't know at first that that was the custom, right? And everybody starts complaining. What kind of a person is this? We never saw such a person sit on the seats like that. And now you come here and you're, you're, you're breaking our custom. You, everyone knows you're not allowed to sit there. Right? So then, So he sat on the ground. Right? So another, he, he didn't argue with them and say, No, it's, 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 it's don't worry. It's a, you know, and, and I've heard stories about that from other rabbis too, that uh, there's a story that one time that I, I, I remember hearing when I was younger from, about Rabbi Salvechik from Yeshiva University, that his custom was he wrapped his tefillin, including the fingers, before he put on shalrosh. He didn't, he didn't wrap only like uh, around the hand. He did the fingers also. And, then, and one time somebody just from some like, guy from the back, back bench you know, of the synagogue came over and said, Rabbi, you know, I don't know, you're doing it wrong. You know? He's like, oh, I, I forgot, I forgot. You know, I, I, I just got distracted. You know? He didn't say, no, my custom is different because this guy will be confused. This guy's going to say, well, tefillin is all random. It's made different customs. So he, he, he didn't tell him. He didn't explain to him. No, it's just a different custom. He, 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 he said, oh, I, 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 got confused. I got confused. So same thing here. They didn't want to get involved in trying to explain. Oh, no, it's a custom. It is that. So he just sat on the ground. Now, what was the point? We just said that only the kutim do we, we uh, wear kid gloves when it comes to their uh, uh, customs. We're so sensitive. But we're not so sensitive in other cases. Why are they being so sensitive? So the answer is because The thing is that since these people lived out in the boondocks, we would call it. In other words, they live in the middle of nowhere. They're people that live like, today we call them out-of-towners, which is, a, which is an American term for anybody, or Jewish-American term, for anybody who doesn't live in New York, basically. Yeah, yeah, so like, it, it, so they're called out of town. They're out of town Jews, they, they, they don't know. And so when the rabbi comes, you know, so Rashi says, No, the people who came off the boat usually knew more. Right? So because it's not a place of Torah, so they don't know any different. It's like a rabbi told me that when he first came out of Yeshiva, this was probably 60 years ago. This rabbi now is, you know, much older. He was one of the rabbis from Morocco that they brought over, that the Mir Yeshiva brought over when he was like 10 years old. And now he's got to be, I don't know, 80 maybe, I'm not sure. But he, um, he, uh, he told me he got some position in some very out of town place in the south. I forget where it was, you know, 
Georgia, Tennessee, something, you know. Really boondocks place. He said he came there. Nobody observed anything. Nobody knew anything. He said there was, only, he, there was only one thing. He walked up to the synagogue and there was no mezuzah on the door. Yeah. He said the only halakha that they knew was the synagogue doesn't require mezuzah. That was the only halakha that they, you know. These people, they didn't know anything. So w- with that, if you start saying, well, this is just a custom. This is not so important. This is, they say, well, what's left? You know, they're not going to have anything left. Start telling them things are not important. So therefore, when they came to the people out, out of town, that's how, they taught, that's how they treated them. Now, it says, Bishlama So now the question is, what is the reason for these customs? So Bishlama We understand why you're not allowed to sit on the seats of the non-Jews that are usually used for commerce, because it looks like you're in doing business on Shabbat. kison with these shoes, Those shoes that they didn't wear typically would fall off because they weren't very well fitted. They were more like slippers, and then you would end up carrying them with you in your hand, and they didn't want you to carry it on Shabbat. So we understand the meaning for the custom, but Elo What's the reason why two brothers are not allowed to uh, bathe together? What's the reason? Like it says in the Bible, a person is allowed to bathe with somebody else, and we know in the old country, especially, and even today, you go to gyms or you go to the you know go to the Y, you go to gym people, they go to the shower together. It's very common in gyms for people to do that, right? So, and and Iran, I know they did all the time, right? So, chutz me'aviv v'chamiv ubal imo. There are four people you shouldn't go into the bath with, which is your father, father-in-law, the husband of your mother, meaning if you have a stepfather, and husband of your sister. Now, the reason for this is that all of these could involve like thoughts about where you came from. So Rashi says, person starts thinking in inappropriate ways about their parentage and so on or with the father-in-law about their wife's parentage. And uh, since it's, uh, there's also some impropriety about thinking about the sister that way, thinking about seeing the husband. So therefore, what sister's husband, father, father-in-law, stepfather shouldn't be uh, in the bathhouse. Rabbi Yehuda says you could do it, you could go to the bathhouse with your father because maybe you have to help your father to bathe. You know, you might need help, so that, that's different. But generally, right, and the same is true about the uh, husband of his mother. But the point is, Vatu Inu, what did the people in this t- town do? They said, They said, just like you're not allowed to go to the bathhouse with your brother in law, so you also shouldn't go with your own brother as a gzera. That was the reason behind it. Now, even though there's no halacha behind it, they had a reason behind the minhag. Okay, now Tana says in the Brighta, a student should not go with his. Rebbe to the uh, bathhouse. But if he needs them, and we do see many cases in the Gemara where they went and they helped them in the bathhouse all the time, right? So if he needs them, he could go. There, there was a. Um, Is a thing here? If they, yeah, if they need help, like no, they're no, older, they need help with bathing. He shouldn't go because of kavod. Yeah, because of kavod, he's going to think about him in a inappropriate way, see him undressed and all that. So he shouldn't think of him that way. But if he needs help, it's like the same thing as, uh, you know, being a nurse for somebody. They need, they need yeah, assistance. Yeah. You don't think of it that way. It's a totally different context. You know, it's like a, pers- a, a doctor versus uh, somebody just looking at somebody unclothed is not appropriate. But it's a doctor. It's, it's, it's different. You know, so you're helping a nurse, doctor. So now it says like this, that he would eat this certain um, kind of a fat. There were two parts of the, there are two sections of fat on the stomach area, one is curved and one is straight. The curved one is prohibited according to everyone, but the straight, there's a straight piece of fat that uh, lies uh, on stomach, and that is a minhag. It's a matter of custom. So in... Uh, what? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah so in... Uh, so yeah. in... Um, in... Uh, fat, not the meat. 
Yeah, it's a type of fat, but that might be where the meat comes from. I'm not sure exactly which section that they're talking about here uh, and anatomically. In the, in the used to eat yeah. the actual stomach, but it didn't have any fat. Oh, really? Yeah, no, no, it's around the stomach. It's not the stomach itself. Yeah, so, it's, so it, it says that, avira saba. So he came. So his custom was that he would eat this fat in the in the animal, <clears throat> and when he came to Rab Avirah the elder and Rab Minayu, he covered up what he was eating. In other words, he didn't want to offend them because the custom in Bavil was that they didn't eat it. The custom in Eretz Yisrael was that they did eat it, right? So he was coming from Eretz Yisrael, so he was eating it, but he saw them. He covered it up. So what happened? So they said, So they came and they said, it says to Abaye, they said it. So they said, not to Abaye, right? They said, say to, so they said to, You're treating us like kuti, meaning you don't want to tell us, you don't want to tell us that uh, what, what your custom is, that you have a different custom, so you're like treating us like you're condescending to us. Like instead of just coming out and saying I have a different custom, you're covering it like, well, I don't want them to know that I, I, I do this thing. Just like the person sitting on the, on, on the benches doesn't say, well, it's a different custom. I don't have this custom. It's not a, it's not a halakha, it's only a custom. So he sits on the ground instead of saying that. So this guy covers up what he was eating instead of just saying I have a different custom, meaning he's treating the other rabbis as if they are not, uh, you know, not, he can't tell them the truth. He can't just be direct with them and tell them he has a different custom. So Rashi says, Because things that are permitted and others treat them as a prohibition. We said that you're only not allowed to be more lenient as the prevalent custom in front of people that might have a bad influence. But if the people are uh, scholars that they're going to understand that you have a different custom, you don't have to be worried about offending them. And here he was worried about offending. They was worried about them seeing him. And so he covered it up. Right? How could he do it anyway? Is the question. Because didn't we say in the Mishnah that you're always supposed to keep the stringencies of the place you left and the stringencies of the place you came to? And now he has come to Bavel where they don't eat this fat. So why is he doing it? Why, why is he continuing to do it? Right? You're not supposed to do that. So that's only within Bavil and within Eretz Israel from place to place. In Bavil Eretz Israel, or if you go from Bavil to Eretz Israel, you have to observe the customs there. He was allowed to do it because since he was from Eretz Israel and Eretz Israel is superior in halachic authority to Bavil, he doesn't have to give up his custom of eating that tasty fat just because he came to Bavil and you people have a custom that is more stringent than what they have in Israel. He can keep his Israeli custom when he comes to Bavil. It could be that even if you come from Eretz Israel and Bavil, you still have to follow the customs of the locals. But that's only when you don't plan on going back. He was just visiting. So he doesn't have to change his custom while he's just visiting. If he came and he actually settled in Bavil, then he would have to adopt the customs of Bavil, even the stringencies, and he would have to give up even his Israeli customs. But if he's going back to Israel, he doesn't have to give up his customs for that temporary stay. He just didn't want to offend anybody or create any questions or create any kind of a murmur among the people. So he was hiding what he was doing instead of being open about it. And Rabbi Barakana was planning on going back to Israel. He said to his children, Rabbi Barakana said to his own sons, Banai. Oh, is it Bini? Is it one son? Oh, okay, because, oh, I see, it's Livnei, it's singular. Bini, Lot, right, Lot Tochal, right. Lot Tochal, Lo Bifanai, Lo Shlobifanai. He told his son, don't eat it in front of me or not in front of me, meaning, don't eat this fat that I have accustomed to eat. Don't, don't follow my practice, right? Because I, Anishur, Rabbi Yochanan, Shachal, 
Aisa Rabbi Yochanan needed in Israel. So whether I'm in front of Rabbi Yochanan or not, it's like he's still here with me. I'm allowed to eat it. But you never saw it. So you never saw Rabbi Yochanan eat it. So you shouldn't eat it just because I ate it. I was only eating it because of Rabbi Yochanan. So meaning later on, he basically told his son to uh, go along with what everybody else was doing and not to um, not to uh, eat that fat anymore. Even though that had been his custom before. <clears throat> it sounds like they must have been in Bavel because I think in Eretz Israel they, uh, they. Uh, so he saw it in Israel, but now his son was in Bavel. He must have. Been, it must have meant in Bavel because why would he have to keep that custom in Israel? Yeah, yeah. So I, I assume so. So he, uh, uh, it must be right. Must be Yeah. Maybe the custom changed in Israel too. There, that's what I'm wondering. Maybe even in Israel the custom changed, right? Could be. Could be that the custom changed there too. Yeah. Does it say? Let's see. Doesn't say. But okay. Well, either way, he's telling him just because you saw me do something doesn't necessarily mean you should continue to do it. <clears throat> now. Yeah, so he's and they did that today, but he's in contradiction with himself. He said that Rabbi Yochanan ben Azar told me that Pamachat Nechnasti Achar Rabbi Shimon ben Rabbi Yosi ben Lekunya Legina. One time uh, I went after this is Rabbi Yochanan ben Azar telling a story. Once went after Rabbi Shimon ben Yosi ben Lekunya to the uh, to the gina to the to the garden venatal svichekuv and he took the svichekuv svichim are are basically things that grow without having been planted on purpose during the shemitah they just keep they just keep growing and so svichim really you're not supposed to take those either meaning they're subject to the same rules as uh, of shemitah as everything else right because so, it says you're not supposed to take even the things that you didn't plant but the things that grew naturally you're not supposed to take them however the way that Rashi explains this whole thing so this was after zmana biur zmana biur means that it's not available in the there's nothing available in the uh, fields anymore. So once something, like we said the other day, once something is not available in the fields anymore for the animals to take, we also have to get rid of it, right? So from the house. So he, say, so he went and he took these sfichim, he went and he took this growth of these, uh, of kruv, his, his cabbage, and he ate it, venatanli, and he gave it to me. He said, listen, in front of me, you can eat this, but when you're not in front of me, don't eat it. He said, look, I saw Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai eat it, uh, and, and therefore I can rely on that. But you, when you're with me, you could. But when you're not in front of me, don't eat it. So that's a little bit different than what Rabbi Barachana said, because Rabbi Barachana said to his son, even when you're in front of me, don't do it anymore, right? So that's, that's the contradiction. It'll come back to that point. But right now, the question is, my Rabbi Shimon, what's the story of Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Shimon, that since the uh, cabbage is unique among vegetables of the field, those fichim are not subject to the rule that you have to get rid of whatever remains after what is in the field runs out. Even if you have to get rid of it, you can take some home to eat. Once it's once you have to get rid of it, you're not allowed to eat anymore. A yeah. What it actually is, yeah. What, what actually the biur is also. The biur, yeah. you can you have to try. Yeah. Let's say you have storage of 
But you can, right. you can meet a lot of no. That, that, well, let, other people. Let, we'll get into we'll get into that discussion. It's actually going to come back to that whole issue in the next uh, in the next half. But right now, that's the question. And the chachamim say all the svichim are prohibited. Now, the way that Rashi interprets the sugya, just Rashi's interpretation is that the reason is because since the um, that since the um, stem never leaves. In other words, since it's there all year round, it's always regenerating, so there's never really a time that it's not available. It's, very, it's only temporary, meaning this moment, maybe it's not there, but it's going to grow back. It always grows back, it always grows back. So you don't have to ever get rid of it from the house because there's never really a time that it's totally gone from the field. It's only temporary. It's going to come back. So therefore, Rabbi Shimon said, you're allowed to eat, you're allowed to keep that indefinitely. But according to the Chachamim, since people might confuse that with other kinds of vegetables, they won't realize that it's unique. So you have to get rid of it as well. Okay, now, they're both following Rabbi Akiva, it says, what are we going to eat when, when we, don't, uh, we don't plant and we don't uh, gather any grain? So if they don't plant, where are they gathering from? So it must be talking about also the Sfichim. It's talking about, in other words, they, it says in the Torah, we didn't plant and we didn't gather anything. Of course, if you didn't plant, what would you gather? What does it mean? Oh, it means that it's talking about even the things that grew naturally we didn't gather, okay? Now, but the uh, but that means that the things that grew naturally you're not allowed to have. Basically, the machloket was, do we say that since cabbage is a unique type of thing because it's regenerating all the time, so you don't have to ever get it out of the house, or do we say um, that since uh, people will get confused, we have to make a gzera and say that uh, cabbage also. But the point was that Rabbi Baruch Hana was even more strict than what than uh, uh, than than what was recounted elsewhere, because what was recounted elsewhere in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Elazar was that no, when you have a custom, when you're with the teacher that has that custom, you're allowed to follow the teacher's custom. Whereas Rabbi Baruch Hana was telling his son, no, even when you're with me, you should not follow the custom, even though you saw me do it as a child, you should not follow the custom even in my presence anymore because you didn't see it directly from my teacher. Only I did. Right? So that was the contradiction. It doesn't really resolve the contradiction. It just leaves it. It says he was more particular about that than, uh, than uh, others had been. Now, How is the tradition going to transfer from, you know... Right, well, these are, this, this is only talking about traditions that are like unique personal traditions. So it's not I'm talking not about something that's, it's the opposite. It's something that's like a unique tradition only. It would be like that the, the people that have the minhag not to eat turkey. You know, there are some families that have minhag not to eat turkey, but everybody eats it. You know, so like, right, right. Some some people have that. That's more. That's more of a group thing. But the but the thing like the turkey, not eating turkey, is very particular to like certain individual families. Really, that they had that custom. Like, how long is that gonna is that gonna stay? Is that gonna stick? You know, at a certain point, you say, listen, it was not your custom. You know. A certain point, yeah, you go with the community, yeah. So now it says, So now there's there's a problem with the Mishnah because the Mishnah is talking about on one hand you have to if you go from place to place you have to follow the stringencies of where you came from and the stringencies of where you go to. Now that works if you go from a place where they do melacha in the morning of Erev Pesach to a place where they don't do melacha because you just don't do melacha, no problem. Right? Lo le'aved, no problem. But if you go to a place that they don't do melacha, to a place where they do, 
So then, how? What's the only way you can fit in? If you go to, if in your town they don't do work in the morning of erev Pesach, and you come to a place where they do, you have to do work now. So then, you're not keeping You're not keeping the stringencies of the place you left. Right, so right, so so the Gemara says, "Va'amrat notni lav chumrei makom shalach leshav chumrei makom sheatavisha." In other words, here you have a conflict because, on one hand, in the case where you went from a place where they do work to a place where they don't do work, right? So, meaning, if you go from a place that is she'enosin, right, that they they don't do work in your place, I'm sorry, the other way around. Where if you go from a place where they do work to a place where they don't do work, right? And so, your custom is that you work on erev Pesach. Right? They no, don't. don't do work. Okay, so it's saying don't do so don't do any work, just abstain. Right? You're not you're not gonna offend anybody. There's no mitzvah to do work. Right? But if you go from a place where they don't do work and you come to a place where they do work, someone's gonna see you and be like, What's wrong with you, man? Why are you not working? Oh, you have a different custom than us. It's a mach- in other words, you can't have both. You can't not uh, you can't keep the stringency of where you came from and also respect the stringency of the place you came to because of, or respect the practice, I mean, of the place you came to because the practice you, that you came to is in contradiction to your custom because your custom is not to work and they're all working and they're going to say, well, why are you not working? It's, oh, you have some custom against us. Right? So what's the answer? So it says, So Amar Aresha. It's only talking about the first half. So Abaye gets out of it by saying the only time you have to do that is the first way. Meaning if you came from a place where they do work to a place where they don't do work. So don't do work when you come to that place. Right? So that you can keep the stringencies of the place you came to. Right? Meaning you don't have to do work. But Rava Amar Leolam Really it applies to the end too, says Rava. That there's nothing in this that is a change that's going to cause machloket. Why? My kamrat e omer mlacha asura memar amrei kamabat lanei have b'shuka. If a person sees that you come to their town and you don't do work, they're just going to think you're lazy. Kamabat lanei There's a lot of people not doing anything, so big deal. You're not doing anything. In other words, if you if you come from a place where they don't do work, the place that, if they come to a place that they do work, to a place that they don't do work, so then if you go and do work, it's going to be offensive to people. So for sure, you should keep the chumra because the stringency you upgraded. In other words, in your town, they allow you to do work, and you come to a place where they where they don't do work, so you respect that you upgrade. But in a case where you came from a place where they don't do work, and there you have the downgrade, right? So how can you keep the stringency of the place you came from without offending people by not working? It says, don't worry, nobody's ever offended by not working. They're not going to say, oh, he must have a custom that he doesn't work. They're just going to think you don't have any work that day or you, uh, you know, you're not very busy or you're lazy. Who cares? It doesn't matter. The point is you won't have a problem. It won't be offensive to anybody if you don't work. So therefore, if you come from a place where they work, to a place where they don't work, you should not work. And if you come from a place where they don't work to a place where they work, you should also not work, meaning because nobody's going to notice that as anything offensive, and you're able to satisfy uh, both possibilities. You don't have to worry that um, you're going to offend anyone in either case. So that's a good place to stop. It's going to talk about Yom Tov Sheni next, which will be an interesting topic. Just in